let's do the podcast, but I just need that one cable right. from your office first. Right. No, I well, just told the story. Told that exact story in complete parallel to me when you went inside. But By the way, we're, we're, music. The we're hot right now. Where's the pick? We're hot right oh, now. Oh, we're already started? Okay, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> the pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have everything, so I just need, I need a pick. Ten times out of 15 that you've done sing songs, you've called me from the car and said, can you just ask around and see if anybody has a guitar pick? It's like the scene from Airplane where they're like, uh, small thing, does anybody know how to fly a plane? <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing about that is like... When do we hear like the bed from Tom? Like... So I, 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 te- I text him. We have a whole lineup of potential guests for this podcast. Great. Probably at least 10 or so that we want to have come on here. But we all said no. (laughs) (laughs) Which leaves us with 11 to number 11. Did I just ruin your moment? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a classic Paul Verdaniel moment. Right, yeah. But we have been delaying having anyone come on the podcast because there was one. Oh, person wow. that we wanted it w- we knew it would be an honor for us to have as the first official guest and to be able to say that this is our first official guest wow. and i i know that we have spent some time trying to schedule this yeah. and it couldn't be more fitting that uh, in the end despite uh, not being able to connect in the city Stephen and i happen to be up here at camp and what a perfect opportunity to welcome our first guest to the show that I know it's an honor for Stephen and I, but also for Tom to welcome Saul Bierenbaum to the Fireside Conference podcast. Thank you. It's an honor. And I'm so flattered by the way you just put that. Uh, uh, I'm flattered to be invited and to be spoken about in that way is really special. It's true. Um, I was I was feeling badly that we weren't able to find a time in the city, but sometimes the divine intervenes. And here we are by the lake, the same lake that we all met each other by years ago. Um, so fitting indeed. You know how... Stephen, do you want to ruin the moment? No, no. I, I wanted to actually... So, so uh, our good friend Ian Mazoff... Um, always quotes a, I guess a saying that the Grateful Dead always used to have about okay. the situation being the boss. Mm. What's the quote? Is that just is the that situation the is the boss? Where where you sometimes you overplan and planning is really important, mm-hmm. but then other times just mm-hmm. the situation where you are, mm-hmm. what time of day it is, mm-hmm. what is going on. That is that is the boss at that moment, mm. and in, in many cases, like the situation is the boss. This is we just finished. Oh, mm-hmm. let me turn that off. We just finished a. Uh, a great few days um, up at camp, and, and mm-hmm. this seems like a perfect, a perfect part of uh, part of our day to do this. I yeah, love so. that quote. That's that's what camp is all about. Right. I mean, that's every day of camp uh, sort of goes that way. We can be here and forget about what's going on outside of camp, and let the camp define what the like, day will be. How often will you over? Plans, well, you might not even realize at the beginning that you're over planning mm. and then things change the weather turns yeah people aren't into it and then you just say this is the situation we're dealing with it's yeah now, it's now the boss of of that's going to help us dictate yeah well my mom has an expression i often quote my parents at different times my mom has an expression which that she uses especially at passover time um i'll say so we're we gonna have a great seder a great dinner together she says all i can do is set the table they gotta eat and uh, it's, I think that's defined my approach to camp directing, which is I'm a big believer in planning. I, in fact, it could be argued that I hyper focus on the logistics and the organization and the planning. 
But also with that is that awareness that when it all starts, when the buses roll in, you gotta go with the flow. And thanks to all your planning, it's up to the people to engage with what you've prepared for them. And it becomes out of your hands at that point. And directing is less about directing, pointing, telling people what to do, and much, much, much more about joining, modeling, and going with them. This was the first time that we've run an event, Stephen and I, where we felt probably a little more on that level mm. and not as much in the, at the level of pure anxiety and it, like in, intense planning, intense planning, and then the buses arrive and nothing goes to plan, but you've prepared enough that it seems that the flow still is, is, uh, is there in the calm seems to be there as well and to give some context we are so we are just now at the end it's wednesday we are at the end of a uh, what was a two-night sort of three-day retreat with an incredible company called coin square out of mm-hmm. toronto where they brought up uh, half of their group and did uh, we we were able to give them the fireside experience and the walden experience mm-hmm. to their group and uh, they I, it seems mm-hmm. that they had a fantastic time and we had a fantastic time with them but now is also that moment when that we have, we've all experienced you've experienced many more times mm-hmm. than Stephen or I but mm-hmm. we've experienced now three times when it's just it's it's done and it's over and there's emotions there's high emotions of gratitude and excitement from a successful program mm-hmm. and then there's moments uh, and feelings of exhaustion and tiredness and calmness there's mm-hmm. like I, I feel more calm now after this event than i have after any of our fireside events and i think that comes from maybe now some experience and knowing what to expect but also like this ran very smoothly mm-hmm. yeah so not only did it run incredibly smoothly. Um, I think another piece is I feel we have a little bit more uh, literally closure right at this moment than we normally do after Fireside. We know our car is packed, for instance. Like our, everything is in order. Everything is is because we've done it before. And there's not as much follow-up as we right. normally would we, have. We, we, are, we are like leaving the space organized uh, in a way that like it's not chaos mm-hmm. like last year. And one of the things obviously we're working way harder on this year is, uh, you know, leaving camp. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we came with two or three full trucks last year and <laughs> still left with one full truck. <laughs> you know, that was actually a huge cause of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, and I think now we which, kind of, which reminds me because now we've over the, the course of this year, figured out a storage solution up at camp. Mm-hmm. Has that been implemented or is They're that... They're arriving the... today. Oh, oh wow. Really? Yeah, you might see them before uh, oh, before you okay. leave. That's very exciting Yeah, uh, because we... Uh, well, you, you I, I started wasn't... it. So we, we for many years, we've used um, these tractor-trailer um, uh, um, cabinets that uh, uh, to use for storage because they're mouse-proof. They're better, more mouse-proof than most wooden facilities that we can build and so on. And they've been very great uh, for us. Uh, Ted bought them before uh, we took over the camp. Never really knew where he got them from. And uh, we wanted to add some more because we wanted to provide you guys with storage and provide some more storage for Walden. 
and we couldn't find a distributor, but Daniel, in, in, in no time at all, found a, found a, someone who could uh, well, do that for us. And when he found it, I was like, like Saul obviously must have seen this company. Yeah, yeah. like there's nothing Google can't solve. Right. Right. Yeah, I know, but for some reason, you, you, you were more successful than me. But uh, anyways, they're on their way here, these uh, tractor trailers. So, uh, but I wanted to say something. You, you hit on a, um, a very important topic when it comes to camp directing. And um, forgive me if I, if I offer unsolicited please, advice. Please, please. But you've given us more advice than you probably even know. <laughs> well, hopefully way. helpful. So your advice uh, is always so Okay, okay. Be careful, because <laughs> here it comes. I would, uh, I would advise you to, um, to relish this moment, this moment that comes in between mm-hmm. um, the order that you're describing. I can relate to everything you just said. The order that you're describing, you feel with like closing the books on a very successful program. And I just want to speak about, from my perspective, why I thought it was in- incredibly successful. And the next thing, the the drive home, the planning, the 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 onto the next program. There's this there's this moment in time, and hopefully this day in time or longer, called pride and accomplishment. And uh, it's such an important fuel to fuel the years of wonderful programs that you're going to provide for your listeners and others. Um, it, it's a fuel for you to continue doing what you're doing. Um, there's something that camp directors have known much longer than all the TED Talk speakers of today, and that is that meaningful work is what motivates us more than anything else. And uh, that meaningfulness, that feeling of meaning is going to come from some active reflection on what you just did. Now, let me tell you what you just did. You didn't just run a great camp program. You run a, you ran a great camp program for people who didn't necessarily choose or wouldn't have chosen to be here. That's right. a huge challenge. I direct for kids who are sometimes a little easier to engage, who have chosen to be here. You direct a program called Fireside where where people have maybe come cautiously because it's their first time in a camp experience, but they have chosen to be here. In this situation, they've chosen to be here. They weren't forced. But when when your company says to you, we are doing something as a company team on a corporate retreat, and it's expected that you attend or you're highly encouraged to attend, that's a group of particularly anxious and cautious campers. And let me just tell you what what I observed, which is um, a group of people who are not selected at CoinSquare for their outdoorsmanship, outdoors personship. These are people selected for their abilities to code, to understand the financial markets, highly skilled, intelligent people. But these are not necessarily campers. Getting off the bus, some of them with their brand new purchases (laughs) from Mountain Equipment Co-op. We we just talked about that. Right? And Myself included, by the way. <laughs> I just, for the first time, bought a sleeping bag, yeah. and it has Beautiful. revolutionized my experience. Camp here. Like, sleeping last bags outside, I had five blankets. I'm done with blankets. Me. I'm also back to sleeping bags. I couldn't have been more comfortable. Like I could sleep here for the next couple months. It was when it amazing. comes to warmth, you can't beat a sleeping bag. Screen flips. Out, just hours. We're not talking about days or weeks, which is what I have to work with in the summertime. Hours after the arrival of these, I'll, I'll be crude, these hackers from, from CoinSquare, brilliant hackers from CoinSquare, uh, they're arm-in-arm arm singing Wonderwall around a campfire. Not because it was on the program, but because, <laughs> there you so, go, because like that. community, community, feeling a sense of belonging is, is a, 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 a human force that is stronger than any other. 
And when you bring people together in the safe space that you provided with uh, an age-old custom of sitting around the campfire and eating together, music and joy and camaraderie in- follows. And that was just a beautiful moment. Um, and you should be very proud of that. Thank you. Thank you. That means that means a lot. There's something that I now picking up on, and we spoke about this, Stephen, and we may have even mentioned when we were talking to you, Saul, and I imagine uh, you... So what year is this in camp for you, by the way, at Walden? Yeah, so um, we're coming up to the 15th anniversary wow. of the sale of the camp, but um, um, you meaning, guys know the, that... Meaning next, yeah, like this... September 5th, 2003 was the closing date. Okay. But to work back about um, you know nine months from there, it was in the previous winter that uh, Ted uh, first came to Howie and uh, Sari and, uh, and, and attached to them myself and said, I'd like you guys to buy the camp. And uh, uh, it was in the spring of 2003 that Ted said, you know, if you're going to run this camp and the legacy of Walden is going to live on successfully, you need to come up with me. Which, which only in retrospect do I, do I realize how bold and how... That wasn't a normal thing. Courageous to, right. and selfless a move that was. The normal thing in camping is to announce on the last day of the summer. Right. And you guys are lawyers, I'm not. Um, and, and that's what lawyers often advise. You know, why would you say <laughs> to the world that you're selling before you're actually selling? Every, every deal has so many exit right. clauses. Imagine they leave the deal. Imagine they leave the deal. Right. Now your community doesn't trust you because you've already told them, you know, right. it's been enough. So uh, and it's and a disadvantage. Lost so much bargaining power with right. you. Well, there's that too. Right. Um, but that's all legal advice. Yeah. We, Ted, was, um, was someone who um, used lawyers as advisors, but only that. Right. And followed his heart. And his heart said, these people are buying the camp. And I need to equip them to be successful. And so he quite simply, in a meeting with all of us, uh, me, Howie, and Sari, uh, said, uh, Saul, if you're going to run the camp, you need to see how we do it. Come on up and be my assistant director. And so it was June of 2003, exactly 15 years ago, that I stepped foot on Walden for just the second time. I had come once during the, the, um, the, the original discussions about the sale and uh, experienced the black flies and the cold and uh, Elaine's hospitality. And uh, it was a summer of um, learning the ropes. I, I think I told you guys I, I did every job in camp that summer, starting in June. I, I was in maintenance camp. I did June camp. I worked on maintenance itself. I worked in the kitchen. I worked as a counselor, as a unit head, as a tracker. I looked at the finances. I, uh, I did every job imaginable and spent two or three hours a day in a tiny little office that uh, Ted had assigned to me and uh, lived in my own little cabin uh, that Ted had assigned to me. Um, and during those couple hours a day would, um, would work uh, at the computer on designing the brochure and the video with, of course, tons and tons of partnership with, from Howie and Sari and my wife, Jen, my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, and the, the dreams of what the next chapter of Walden would look like were born in that summer of 2003, a very emotional one for Ted and Lane. Everyone remembers that final sing-song that, uh, that Ted gave and that final moment in the dining hall uh, for Ted and Elaine um, and the tears. But then September 5th, at the age of uh, 28, I hit the ground running and never looked back. It's unbelievable. Uh, same eight. Are you 29 now? 
Should we not talk about ages? No, I'm, I'm 29. Yeah, 29. Um, just unbelievable. Uh, the funny, one of the funny anecdotes of that whole process when you bring up lawyers and that, that whole piece was a story that you had told me once, mm. which was, I think, upon close, mm. the lawyers were saying, they found okay, a bean. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, okay. Is that what you're going to say? No, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. No. Um, weren't the lawyers asking, okay, so exchange keys? <laughs> right. Ted, right. Ted, at the time, Ted at the time said, what, like, what keys? Like, go, go ask maintenance. Yeah. Like, there are no keys. That's true. Yeah. Right? Like, well, Ted said, yeah, exactly. I can either, either give you a thousand keys or I could just tell you where all the keys right. are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a lean. Uh, yeah. Well, another, I, I was just talking to Daniel uh, yesterday about the role that lawyers play in every, um, in, in, in in the lives of small business owners. And um, when you start your first business, at least when I started my first business, especially being the son of a lawyer, um, the lawyer's word is almost like divine law. Like you do everything at first. uh, I did, we did everything the lawyers told us. Then the accountants had advice. And so then we would do everything the accountants and the lawyers told us. Then the lawyers and the accountants start to disagree. And it's at that moment that you realize, hold a sec, hold on a second. They're advisors. All these people that are advising you, that are consultants, they're, they're just advisors. They're wonderful expert advisors, but it's on you. It's right. on you to make the decision. Right. And, uh, and yeah, there was, there was all kinds of legal uh, hiccups at the last minute. But what drove uh, Ted and Elaine and uh, Howie, Sari, Jen and myself was we, we believe in the camp. We believe in its next chapter. We believe in each other. Right. We are doing this deal. And Howie and Ted made the deal over tea in Ted and Elaine's basement in a, in, in a few sessions over the course of two weeks. And it took the lawyers six months and 60,000 pages right. to capture what we all knew all along. Right. And I'm glad they did. I'm not putting down lawyers or our lawyers. Our lawyers were exceptional. And thank God, looking back, they protected us in the way that they did. But they play a role. They aren't the be-all and end-all. I think that's, that's very fitting. Very, <laughs> very good uh, words. Saul, did you grow up going to overnight camp? Yes, I, uh, I was a longtime day camper. I loved day camp. Uh, I was at Forest Valley for 10 years. I also am a creature of habit. So once I go somewhere and like it, it's pretty typical of me to, to remain. Sounds um, a bit familiar. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, which is why I'm, uh, you, you can rest assured that I'll be here at this table for a number of years to come. But see, that's, uh, now Saul's going to beat my record of years, and that's, that's a sad Well, you're oh, here for day. significant lengths of time each right, summer, right, so, so we're going to have to count your years okay, in a whole fine, other way. Um, I'm sure Seth will contest that. But, yes. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but in a loving way. I was a longtime day camper at Forest Valley Day Camper, a Burt Fine uh, years, and uh, those were wonderful years. And then I went to uh, Camp Timberlane for a year and uh, had a uh, good experience, but wanted to change camps and went to Camp Wahanwin for oh, a number I, of years. Have we spoken about this? Because I, I went to Wahanwin as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. W-A-H-A-N-O-W-I-N. That is the way you spell Wahanawin. Right. So <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story about that because Pulver and I sing the Walton song. So okay. W-A-L. W, that's the way it begins. Yeah. A, that's the second letter in. Yeah. And I've trained myself on the A mm-hmm. to come out of the sing song in my head and say the next letter is L. It's right. not H. So- because as a child, I learned... H, that is the third. So this is too funny because 
my first year at Walden, I which nightmares. We, we still <laughs> right. haven't figured out exactly whether right. it's true that my first year was actually your first yeah, year. Yeah, well. we should and, figure that out. And there's another funny story which came about over the coin store, oh, yes. which I'll get to. But yeah. on the topic of the Wahanoan song, I, as it, as is quite normal, children tend to have an attachment to the summer camp they grow up going to. And right. Stephen, obviously, you have quite an attachment mm-hmm. to Walden. And now, after so many years of running program here and uh, or running a program here, and after spending one summer as a counselor, I have a very strong emotional attachment to Walden. But in my one summer when I was here, and that was my first summer, I remember hearing that song and hmm. feeling right something uh, something was quite wrong. Uh-huh. Like oh, they they ripped off that song from <laughs> Wahanoan, and it's probably it's either like the most standard camp song. Well, it's or based on it's that's the, the way song. you spell chicken, right? Yeah, yeah. C well, that's the way it begins. H is second exactly. Right. But which camp was the first one? It's probably Wahanoan, and then it was uh, appropriated so, by Walden. Um, no, it is a commonly appropriated song, and it was it was appropriated by Walden after Wahanoan, yes, but it wasn't necessarily appropriated from Wahanoan. Right, it was I, appropriated from the Chicken Song, perhaps. Right, um, because Ted did adapt many folk music songs uh, to to yeah, the Walden. I would agree with that. I, I don't repertoire. think that Ted would have been like, "Oh, I want to take the Wahanoan song." Right. It was. It was well. It, so it, it would be. I'm going to take the Wahanoan song. I've taken. I'm, taking. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Mine's, mine's better, but it's the same tune. And I really wish, like you know, uh, you know, I think actually people that are like the four or five people listening in, like, are, are gonna wonder, like, we keep talking about this Ted figure. Yes. So I should say. So so I know you, you touched on it uh, briefly before, but Ted was obviously the, the director before before uh you saw and and taught us just so much about music mm-hmm. um and uh he he would uh he would find a folk song mm-hmm. and either take it as is mm-hmm. and play it exactly mm-hmm. like the album mm-hmm. or he would take it and just completely i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna play it better yeah and yeah um he would make them his own yeah. even lyrically too yes. right he yeah would, he would take a song and say I think this lyric works better yeah. in 2001. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, exactly. We're going to talk about this now, which is not exactly standard behavior uh, musically, but it's part of that folk tradition, which yeah. I think was part of Ted's being, right? It was, let's take, I know we're off on a tangent now. Go for but, it. But like, let's take a, a, let's take a song and reinvent it a little bit lyrically and uh, let's, instill this folk spirit of because that is what the folk mo- movement was all about in the 60s right. was like taking songs that were you know old uh, uh, Irish songs yeah. and, and, and making them into yeah. just something brand new there wasn't like, a sense of ownership right. I think of, of songs of yes. that generation yes, like, right. exactly, really exactly. like you Once could you, take it and yeah. you, it would, you'd make it your own and, right. and then someone else would take it and make it their own and there was, a, there was um, you put it out there to be adapted right. that was the reason you put it out there I mean there's there's a mystical connection between all these topics that we're talking about. Like like camp is that is that marriage of tradition and and growth evolution. Right. I'm not going to say innovation. I'm going to say growth and evolution. Um, I when when kids have some difficulties when when they come to back to camp and they say, "Oh, you changed this," right? Right. But I all I'll remind all the kids that say that to me. Yeah, and all the trees grew also. Right, 
and that's what summer camp is. The, 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 the heart of the place is the same and shall remain the same, but everything is always growing and changing. And Ted applied that because he was a musician. Right. He applied that to his music. And so when he took the folk music into the camp environment, it's no wonder that that's right, how it's played out. Um, as we speak about music right now, Tom, I, I know you've been quiet. I think you can still hear us. Any, uh, you know, as a resident um, musician, director. musical director, and not just for Fireside, mm-hmm. but for Walden and and all of these amazing things, um, I should I should push the music question onto you. How yeah. has that affected? How has that affected your experience and, and, and your growth at camp? It's always interesting coming from a uh, other side of the Atlantic perspective because some of these, or most of these tunes, certainly the camp ones, are ones I've never heard before. So it's been kind of interesting to hear what are the ones that have stuck and been, been adapted. And, uh, for example, the first time I uh, went to one of the, uh, the camp-wide sing-alongs and was a bit kind of overwhelmed by this song that maybe I'd never heard before. Maybe I heard like some version of it, how everybody knew it. And there was like specific things that people would shout out. And yeah, it's, uh, it's been very interesting from a kind of British perspective. Is, is there a moment where you're like, this is quintessential camp. This is, this is that rush that I, I love, um, you know, whether it be a, a sing song or another musical moment. Okay. I, I think, Oh, possibly because um, we do some slightly more intimate um, uh, acoustic shows with uh, like a unit's worth of, of, of campers. And um, yeah, we'll do some, we'll do a couple of songs that maybe they've not heard before, something a bit interesting. So so, so maybe it'll be just the kind of uh, silence and appreciation that, that goes with hearing something new or or even... A, a couple of campers themselves coming up and uh, doing a new take on a on like an Ed Sheeran song or something, but they just 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 the way they approach it and everyone loves it. And I'm, you know, I would never as a professional musician, I would never have thought of doing it that way either. And it's yeah. So I guess yeah, moments like that. And I know so I've got a moment. Yeah, that uh, you'll you'll remember Tom from a from your own perspective. It was it was a rainy day, and it was Tom's first or second summer at Walden years ago. And uh, the counselor's lounge, you know, it's proximity to the office. And I was stepping out of the office for no particular reason. And uh, amidst the light rain, I heard the sound. And you know that that's that amazing sound of a chorus of children and oh, adults together? Amazing. Like there's a beautiful sound when right. children sing together, a beautiful sound when adults sing together. But there's this like very harmon- harmonious sound right. that, that, that of, of such a full spectrum of, uh, of, of pitches and tones. Um, and I just heard coming from the CL, lights will guide you home. <laughs> And just thinking about it gives me goosebumps. It was Tom at the piano with the words up on uh, up on a sheet of paper, and a whole unit of kids and and their staff totally engaged in the music. That's camp. I completely remember that, and we actually recreated that show, Tom, for staff, and we have a recording of that. Fix you, and the end is. Oh. It like it is. It literally gives me the goosebumps every time I hear it too. Yeah. Of 
that those moments of singing it in unison. Yeah. And it's very easy. It's it's the same thing Dan and I, you know, we talk a lot about people that haven't experienced fireside, let alone ca- camp. Right. Right. It's like, it's, what do we sound like to people like who, right now, who don't understand this, camp? It's <laughs> like people we sound a little hokey, right. maybe. And, and it, is, it is, of course, hokey. It's very cult like, like I'm the first to admit it. But it's it's when you've experienced it, every single person that was just at this coin square retreat. Right. Know what we're talking about. No, even if they've never been to camp. Now would, they know. They bought into that. Now they, they, they understand that. It's, yeah. There is a degree of hokey. Our fixed view is their wonder wall, but they understand. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't matter. Uh, it was it was Ted who always used to say. I think it was on the liner notes of the original um, yeah, CD CD with record. Which, <laughs> then we put it onto the, the new Walden yeah. songbook, yeah. which was something like so sing sing out loud. You know, right? You can be off tune, or right. out of tune, whatever right. it was. Just sing out. Yeah, exactly. Right, and and uh, I think that goes for a lot of different. Yeah, we put. A, a quote like that on the banner that we're going to make for the past. Well, season. I would put literally those. That's I wish I could idea. pull them up. Um, yeah, we're going to do a new banner for back there. Mm-hmm. I love that. So uh, one of the uh, the thing that led into this whole conversation mm-hmm. was, uh, and when I asked you how many years it's been mm-hmm. for you, and that uh, maybe you've seen the pattern that I am now only seeing after mm-hmm. four events here, which is like, we, we saw this all play out with coin square and you were talking about they arrive and people step off the bus and mm-hmm. there's a lot of anticipation mm-hmm. and some anxiety mm-hmm. and still some phone checking mm-hmm. and you see people decked out in some new outfits and mm-hmm. the company's grown very fast. And a lot of people don't really know each other mm-hmm. all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, could be that almost all the faces people are seeing they don't know. And camp has crafted some of these um, experiences that go into that go into the schedule that if you only experience it once, it might seem like it uh, just happened to to be that that event took place. But it's becoming apparent to me that there are you, you can actually craft the schedule in such a way that it fosters and helps helps move along these experiences and so the two that stick out for me the most in the schedule are that first night up at the fire hall with the the what do you call those um the fire tiki torches torches and the fire pits Mm -hmm. and a little bit of alcohol and some Mm -hmm. nice music and some food and people get a chance to just sit around and chit chat and get to know each other in this unassuming way. And that's that experience of getting drunk together and sitting around the fire, which then leads into the first breakfast that we all have together. And everyone's a little hungover and our hair is all a little more messed up than we'd normally have it at the office. And we're finally uh, in our sweatpants instead of the jeans that we arrived on the bus in. And that's sort of the first moment where people are really embracing camp and kind of letting go of of uh, the city and all the things that they normally hold on to. Mm-hmm. And then that's another one of these special moments, mm-hmm. which then turns into 3 a.m. Right. around mm-hmm. the campfire the following night right. and best friendships emerging yeah. and people sitting in the dining hall, uh, which I, I know, I think Cole made note of when he was giving a bit of a talk where it's like, 
the people you're sitting next to are no longer your teams from work. Like we all come up, okay, the marketing team is mm-hmm. here and the development team and the engineering team and the mm-hmm. finance team. And by that breakfast and then throughout mm-hmm. the day, all of a sudden it's one team. Yeah. And I've now noticed these things emerge oh, after three firesides. Mm-hmm. And so I could pinpoint in my mind the, the magical events that must be baked into a schedule right. in order to ensure that that culture is right. built. Right. And so I think what my, what I'd love to hear from you mm-hmm. is, have you noticed that? Mm. How long, in how many years did it take for you? Maybe it was mm-hmm. only one summer because you saw it mm-hmm. many more times mm-hmm. through the summer. We've only done these smaller events. Mm-hmm. And, and if there are other moments that yeah. you tend to recognize yeah. as being the yeah. pinnacle. Yeah. Well, you're touching on the very heart of what I'm uh, thinking so much about when I think about camp these days. And you've heard me speak about uh, uh, this uh, in my um, address during during Fireside. Um, I've always known, since I was a kid who performed in in theatrical performances, that there's a, a magic this magical feeling about participating together with a group of people and and accomplishing something together. So that that feeling that kids get, that, that each of you have had, being part of a group that performed, um, whether it's a hockey team or a, or a musical sh- theatrical production or a dance show or whatever, I think, I hope all of us can reflect on what that feeling is. And then when I, when I went to camp, and started working at camps, which just started as a way to make money in the summer, I I realized there's that feeling again. There's that feeling again. And then as my experience as Walden's uh, camp director increased over the years, I realized, I, I learned how to put it into words. Kids do not go to camp. And let me start again. If I were a parent, um, I would not send my kids to camp to learn how to canoe. That is not the essence of what we're providing here. If you want to learn how to canoe, go to a resort, go to canoe classes. It's a wonderful byproduct of the summer camp experience that we learn how to canoe. And I'm not diminishing it, but it's not the core mission. What's amazing about the camp experience is that I have that magical feeling, that sense of belonging that belonging to a community where I'm accepted for who I am, where I'm a Waldener, where I'm a coin square, where I'm a firesider. These are my people. That's the magical thing we provide as, as camp directors. That's the what. Now what you're asking is the how. What are the elements that make that possible? What should we make sure is on our schedule? And I think it boils down to safe space, so we begin by, by uh, making sure that uh, everybody's basic needs are met, that it's a, um, not just a harassment-free environment, that it's an uplifting, respectful, encouraging environment. And I think that a lot of businesses misuse the whole language, that, that, that we're harassment-free. That's such a minimum standard. What a terrible minimum standard that is. Let's aim to be wonderfully familial uh, with each other to the extent that we can. So safe space is is, uh, is number one. And number two is a reasonable amount of risk, discomfort, and challenge that we will overcome together. So for kids who come to Walden, 
um, where they're joyfully canoeing and skiing to expose them to a reasonable amount, a reasonable amount of risk, discomfort, and challenge. We send them out on canoe trip to Algonquin Park and push them to a reasonable limit to eat food cooked over the fire, to live in tents, and they do so in their groups. They leave as a cabin group of uh, kids who have just met each other. They come back as brothers or sisters for life. At adult summer camps, such as the ones you're running, the discomfort and challenge took place at the time they clicked register. Just going is maybe just enough discomfort and challenge that that person is ready for. Or arriving and it's a little colder than they expected and they need to have the courage to ask for an extra sleeping bag. Or eating food that's not exactly the same level of macronutrients that they're used to (laughs) metricing. Or uh, the coffee tastes different and isn't prepared half-half the way their barista normally prepares it for them. And, 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 and. You understand that, that just being here is and succeeding i i i went to fireside i went to coin square i went to walden and i completed it that that is really uh, uh, the basic element of creating that magical feeling if you have groups that are ready for more um then uh, let's build a fire together let's sing a song together let's have the courage to sing whether we can feel we can sing or not in front of each other Let's get in a canoe, learn how to canoe. But the real challenge at canoe is can we three who are sitting in this canoe, two or three sitting in this canoe, can we get from here to there? That's the challenge. And uh, if you put if you put two kids in a canoe who've never met each other, you met never met each other before and say, get from here to over there. You will see all kinds of social development take place, <laughs> right? You'll see leadership. You'll see following. You'll see experimenting with uh, with, with authoritarianism and experimentation with uh, all all approaches to uh, to communication. But they'll get there. They'll get there if they're if they've been provided with a safe space and the basic tools and a facilitated uh, environment where someone's giving them some pointers. They will get from here to there. And when they get there. They'll come out of the canoe and say, I did it together. That's the great value of, the, of, of canoeing uh, in a summer camp experience. Now, take what I said and apply it to everything that we do here. So my, to summarize my answer to you, nothing in particular. Mm-hmm. Just come with the intention to provide a safe space and expose people to a reasonable amount of challenge and discomfort, and the magic of camp will happen. That's a beautiful that amazing. Thing. You should just do our podcast, right? We should record this. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah. I forgot to hit record. Okay, we're, we're, we're gonna go live in five. Okay, so everything you just did, let's hit record and get do it again. Out, yeah. um, did you did you find in your first couple summers, or maybe in your first summer, that you had some uh, some baggage of uh, your emotional attachment to Wahanoin at all, or did you not have that and? Mm. Because um, I experienced it in my first summer, yeah. and over the years, that's gone away, and it I yeah. still holds a special place in my heart. But uh, now, I, like Walden is, I'm just so endeared to Walden. Yeah, and uh, you, you didn't grow up going to Walden right. in the way that Stephen, right. for example, has lived lived his entire childhood here. Yeah. But obviously, uh, you have a level of affinity towards this mm-hmm. camp that no one else in the world has. Yeah, did that take? How much time did that take to develop for you? Uh huh. I had an immediate instinct about what this place was all about, and it clicked with me perfectly. 
it took me 15 years to reverse understand what that was all about. Only now can I put it all into words. But um, I met Walden and I knew I was in love. Let me let me put it to you that way. Um, what my relationship with my own camp experiences as a camper um, did not influence me a lot. I was a whole different person when I was uh, when I was a kid. I may have said to you guys that I was the number one smallest kid in my <laughs> grade and in my cabin and in my life. Um, and uh, and uh, that was difficult for a boy in the 80s, especially. It's difficult for anyone at any time. But there are certain sensitivities that kids that we have these days about kids in that situation. So childhood was tough for me, in particular at overnight camp. And this is mm-hmm. true about all overnight camps in the 80s. Nothing about the, the particular camps that I went to. What influenced me a great deal was my work experience at, at Camp Robin Hood. And, and by the way... And just as much as I clicked with Walden, so too did I click with Robin Hood 10 years prior when I first met Larry and, and Sari and Howie. And uh, that that work that I did with younger kids in the day camp environment was very much learned at Robin Hood and influenced and still influences the way in which we run Walden. Um, so much of the talk that we are having about mental health and anxiety amongst adults, the, less, the, the, the lessons can be learned in how we care for children. In, in anxiety, it, it, to use as an example, is uh, simply a disproportionate, there's nothing simple about it, but is a disproportionate response to the, to the threats and environmental concerns that you have, uh, interpersonal concerns, life concerns that you have, disproportionate. Um, when we're kids, Every, everything is new. And um, so when I describe, when I used to describe to six-year-olds at Robin Hood what, what it would be like to sleep over for one night at camp, which, we, which they do at Camp Robin Hood. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful tradition that they have there. One night overnights to prepare them for one day going to an overnight camp experience. Just a tangent. Larry and, uh, and, and, and in turn, Howie and Sari never felt that, sending, that, that graduating kids to overnight camp was a loss of business. That was a business person's way of looking at things. They saw um, graduating kids to overnight camp as, a, as an achievement, a certificate of achievement. We've prepared them for life. Mm-hmm. And that's why One Night Overnights is very much a part of what they do there. Um, I was head of the uh, One Night Overnight program for many years when I was at Robin Hood. And I, re- I, I remember learning the more details I gave, the, the less anxious <laughs> the kids felt. The more, more details I gave ahead of time. So it, it reached the point where in the last year that I did it there, I was literally saying, then you're going to brush your upper teeth. Then you're going to brush your lower teeth. And they, I could captivate the audience uh, for an hour. You know, kids, six and seven year olds for seven, eight year olds for an hour about what order they're going to brush their teeth in. But what I saw in their eyes uh, was, okay, a feeling of comfort, a feeling of safety. Now I know what to expect. Anxiety diminishing. And uh, I I think our success rate with with, uh, kids feeling safe in that one night overnight camp experience was much greater as a result of that. I apply that lesson every single day to campers and staff who struggle with mental health, to a first-time camper who has a proportionate amount of worry about the, uh, the camp experience they're about to embark on. The more details I give, the more comfortable they feel. So that's just the biggest example of one of the many day camp sensitivities I have uh, being an overnight camp director. I love it. 
I love it. And I wish like we could just do a four hour episode. Uh, <laughs> I believe we could. Uh, so you wanted, th- you wanted to talk food and facility. I thought that's, I, I'm so happy. We're talking about all these, no, these I, are my this is exactly, favorite topics. This is exactly. So I, I would love, I think that Saul would actually be perfect podcast guest by the way he is, well he's no, no. he is right now <laughs> should we get him podcast? no i mean for for like a podcast that like actually has would you listeners like book, would you like to book him yeah i think so so tell me at fireside you are cool you're gonna speak yeah gonna I'm, be, I'm in that's great you know, your saturday evening. I, I if it's okay with you i mean if we can talk about this now you'll tell me if it's uh, appropriate but I'm I'm in on this topic. Like I'm not look. I hope it's okay I love that I don't topic. stand yeah. up and do something different. This no. is this is my topic, and this is the topic that I think is relevant to people who are at an, at summer camp, going like, "What's this feeling I am having?" Right. I don't know why they have an accent. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like an accent we from no part of the earth. But, yeah. 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 Um, but uh, I would just like to elaborate. I've had more thinking about uh, about this topic of um, owning your discomfort um, that I will just elaborate on. So, yeah, it. I'm in for an annual uh, session to introduce whoever your musical guest is. So we have uh, a good uh, I think we have a good plan in place for what that uh, the evening is going to be. Great. And, and more than likely on the Saturday evening, although possibly the Friday, given Great. that we're adding an extra day. Yeah. And uh, yes, we would be honored to have you speak again. It's uh, become the highlight uh, talk, I think, for me, and I can almost certainly say for Steven. Hmm. And... Um, well, another, I like introducing yeah. the introducer. Thank right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Another one of the funny things, though, which which maybe you don't know, Saul, and um, uh, obviously I knew you going into our first year, but uh, I knew you as as my boss from 10 years prior when right. I spent uh, six or seven weeks up at camp. Right. Otherwise, I didn't know you um, quite all that well. And I remember Stephen saying, as we were putting together a list of speakers, oh, Saul, Saul's going to do a talk. And I think my response was probably something like, really? <laughs> or like, are you sure? Or right. do we have to? Or something to that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, like, God, I couldn't be happier that Stephen had the insight to ask you to speak. And so that's an incredible thing. And, I, and I'm also just so happy to have watched uh, and seen that topic of yours be fine-tuned year after year and turn into like literally probably the most important talk at fireside <laughs> so like not like, even no, not no even pressure, just, no right. pressure. <laughs> not even just was i unsure because for whatever number of reasons like none of them justified right um uh just you know call me skeptical let's say but literally has turned into what i think is not just my favorite talk but for fireside possibly the most important talk of setting you open the door to people accepting the fact that yes, discomfort is okay. And like the level of uh, anxiety that Stephen and I have had, and it's diminished now thanks to you over the years was always like, and this is, this is a story we tell time and time again, how, we came up to camp trying to find all these ways to like minimize the camp experience because we knew that people were used to other experiences. Right. right. Like space heaters everywhere, satellite internet. Right. Like, right. How can we make it more comfortable? Right. And, um, and 
that would have been such the wrong approach because you can't, you can't do that. You shouldn't. Um, and then, but then that's the other thing, mm-hmm. right? So first we learned we couldn't do it. Right. And then through you, we learned we shouldn't do it. Mm. And you deliver that message and that sentiment to the community, which is you are here and uh, maybe you won't explicitly realize it until I tell it to you. But the fact that it's a little too cold or you might get a little muddy, these are good things and okay things. Right. And it also helps that we are not the ones delivering that message. Mm, Right. Because you have a certain level of authenticity and respect um, to deliver that message in a way that we don't. Right. And it really, truly has, to me, become the most important part, or I would at least say the most important talk Mm. at Fireside for setting that tone. And then, yes, hopefully we lead into a really nice either musical or emotional or Mm. uh, some sort of talk, which we are working on Mm -hmm. and won't spill the details of. But I just want to uh, thank you for doing that for us and for the community and for... It's clear you put so much thought and time into this idea that you've been working on and fine-tuning for a number of years. Mm. And I just can't wait to see what it's evolved into for this year. Mm. I'll tell you that thank you very much. I'll tell you about my arc in terms of my relationship with this particular talk. You know, when when you guys said you got you to do a talk, I, I immediately felt stress. Like, um, you know, it's the end of the summer for me. I'm exhausted. Um, uh, what's I get I get nervous I love to talk I love to tell stories boy I could talk forever but to to talk in front of people I don't get nervous about speaking in front of people but I the lead up for me is very intense I don't just stand up and give a talk I I really really prepare um, but on the first uh, example uh, the first uh, time that I was giving the fireside talk I was a passenger in the car being driven up to camp and that's when I jotted down some notes that I would uh, that I would give I had procrastinated um, making those notes, like I say, it was the end of the summer and I was distracted by other things. And, um, there I was in the middle of the fire hall beside your, your cousin, uh, Jeff Pulver. And, and, um, it was that magical feeling again, that performance, not, not that comes from every performance, but that, that performance of being surrounded by people who are with you, with you on a spiritual sense. And, um, that's made me really excited for the following year. And uh, the preparation for that talk, last year's talk, looked much different. I was enthusiastically making notes throughout the course of the year um, as they came to me in a document that I just called my fireside chat. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then it happened and you told me, that you, you, at the last minute, you hooked me up to a microphone and said, you know, we might be videotaping this. And I thought, oh, that's cool. I'd love to sort of see how it goes after the fact. Um, and then I gave the talk and I felt great about it. And Howie, I remember he gave me this big hug afterwards. And, you know, so I, I talk a lot. I can't, I don't talk a lot, but I open up every summer and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it goes almost as well and sometimes it goes not so well. I felt good about this one. Um, I came home from Fireside, like all the participants, I felt like I'd been part of something magical. And then I found myself writing you. Can I see that video? <laughs> Where's that video? Where's the video? And I got connected with the video guys and they had some trouble editing and so on. Finally, I got the video 
And I got to tell you, I watched that video um, sometimes just to up, give myself an uplifting feeling. Um, I, I hope this is coming across the same way. I'm not trying to say, well, I nailed that talk. I was amazing. I'm trying to say, I'm, I'm whatever thank you you're giving me, I'm thanking you for giving me the opportunity to be part of Fireside in my own special way, uh, in a way where I can give the one special thing I have to give, which is this other camp, camp component, camp mission that I have as a director to, to give every kid at least one opportunity in the summer to share what's special about them with the rest. And um, um, I don't, as the director, often get to be a part of that myself. And here I was, quite unexpectedly, almost uncomfortably pushing again, resisting in at first dropped in the middle of fireside doing what I do best and people appreciating it and liking it. And, uh, it was pretty special. I'm going to cry. So, uh, cause I'm, <laughs> well, I'm not an emotional mess. And generally. I, I think that whole thing came about because, uh, you were going to suggest that Saul should be a podcast guest on one of the other podcasts yes, that's that are coming yes. up. And I'm glad we went down this tangent because that was a beautiful moment, but I don't want to forget that. That is also an exceptionally good idea. Uh, like I would love you to be in like interviewed by one of our many podcasters Great. that, are in this space of not not camping, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of the things you're touching on, um, I, I I really think are well. They resonate with with business. They they're they're life lessons. Yes. Right. Then this is what like camp is an allegory in many ways mm. for life and lessons that you can learn. And it's not just what you can teach a kid and what they can get out of it, but this is the whole reason we do fireside. And mm. there's so much like I love talking to you because whether you see it or not. Every single time we talk, there's always something that I leave with that is new and gives me a new perspective and something to think about and to reflect upon and which is tremendously valuable as well. Like uh, I've learned I've learned a lot from you in four years, despite the fact that we actually don't see each other all that much and we don't communicate all that much, but just small things, even the way you communicate with us when we have I mean, there's been no shortage of major issues that we've come to you with. And I put major sort of mm-hmm. in quotations because uh, they're sort of, they're minor when you get... <laughs> There's uh, a lineup at the coffee machine. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. These are, uh, they, they couldn't be more minor issues that uh, when you get some perspective on life in the world, they're they're quite minor, but uh, major in the eyes of an anxious uh, right. producer, let's say. Camper, yeah. And and you have done such a good job of, of giving us some of that perspective and and we've learned from you just seeing the way that you uh, uh, hold yourself while you're at camp. And um, maybe there's some some storm going on inside, but there's definitely a level of calmness that you exude as well, which I think is quite helpful, uh, quite helpful to us. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, yeah, especially because I'm an incredibly calm, not anxious person. <laughs> so I, that was a joke. That was a, definitely a joke. I'm certainly not calm uh, and well, I'm anxious. But. 15 years from now, when you're, when you're far more successful than, uh, than, than you're even dreaming now possible, um, you'll be in, you'll be in a seat like mine and thinking what I'm thinking now, which is like, 
I'm one of the young guys still learning. Like, what, what do you mean I'm the right. wise guy, right. wise old sage who's given, giving good advice? I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I sit across from you and I said, I've said this to you five times in the last couple of days and I've said it to everyone in the office and these guys have got it. Like, these guys are going far. They are soaring. They're brilliant. They complement, the two of you complement each other magically and you are just going you've already created if you stop now you've already created something amazing but you're not stopping now you're just getting started so to be to be regarded as playing that role is uh, again like beyond beyond flattering i think we, we need to shout out to the bacon at fanny chadwick's which helps us i think that, and that's actually a, yeah yeah so so i think it, we should do a, a shout out to fanny chadwick's yeah. bacon which, chadwick's.ca now called chadwick's As we, I think, close out this show, we also have to give a shout out to our other sponsor, I think, as we... Hover.com? Hover.com is where you buy your domains. It's where I buy my domains. Have you ever used uh, Hover.com to no, buy a domain? No, tell me more about that. Hover is uh, owned by Two Cows, which is a... Right. Uh, it's a proud Canadian company that we've mm. worked with the last three years, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just a really amazing, easy mm. to use... Um, website to basically purchase your domain mm-hmm. get your business started uh, so I'll let's say you. my website is already hosted somewhere else is it easy to move a website it feels like everything's gonna break when i move it yeah it is easy so hover actually doesn't do website hosting they do the domain oh, you just so, buy the domain yeah that. so gotcha walden camp what is camp walden camp walden dot ca so i own that already so yeah. there's no buying it a second so time. if you wanted to now you can move your domain over to them they actually have a great concierge service mm. so uh, let's say you were with one of the other guys mm-hmm. and you were unhappy because um, every time your your yearly bill is different right. or they are um, not spamming Canadian you or, or emailing you a lot. a good value system Yeah, for any, any number of reasons. However, usually it can be a, a bit of a chore to move the domain from one registrar to right. another. However, has a concierge mm. service where uh, you call them up and mm. you say, this is where I have my domain, mm. here's my details, mm. and they will do all the heavy lifting for you. Wow. And so I've done that because... Uh, the WordPress works, the emails work, everything works. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Steven and I own uh, copious amounts of domains. <laughs> Too, and, many. <laughs> uh, Too many. And when we found Hover, and this was before they were a sponsor, and we fell in love with them because they're, they are just such a great company wow. in so many ways. We moved all of our domains from the other guys over to them, and and the concierge service is what what helped us do that. So, wow. if uh, if anyone is interested in a in getting a domain to start their new business or creative venture or whatever they are doing, definitely go visit hover.com, and uh, and you will get an opportunity to spend some time with them at Fireside as well. So we have one more task before we leave camp. Okay, that's to go have subs in the dining hall. Beautiful. Can't wait. Let's make it happen. Saul, thank you so much. This was incredible. Incredible. We will do it again. Look forward to it. And now we now we can invite some other guests on. Exactly. As well. so <laughs> like the head chef and Fanny Chadwick. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go crazy, guys. Exactly. Thanks. Thanks.